Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Today, my goal today, uh, does anyone remember what I was preaching on three weeks ago? Any, any thoughts? Nothing. See, you guys are all looking at me just blank-eyed. Like, I have no idea what series we were even in. We were in Psalms 34, and I want to bring that back to your attention. Psalm 34, and I want to give you just a quick recap on what is happening in Psalms 34. So Psalm 34 is, is written by King David. He's not a king at this time yet, but David is on the run for his life. His king, Saul, wants to kill him. He's absolutely jealous of who David is. And then David ended up in front of the king of the Philistines. And you may or may not know this, but the Philistines are not fans of David either. David, when he was about 14, killed their giant, Goliath. And he has been slaughtering the uncircumcised Philistines for years at this point. So you can only imagine they're not a a fan of David. So David ends up in front of that king. David ends up having to act absolutely crazy. Scripture says that David's drooling at the mouth. He is just getting completely nuts, and they get rid of him, and David escapes to a cave. And in that cave, 400 men come to be by his side. And it says that these 400 men were bitter in soul. They had lots of debt, and they were in distress. So you can only imagine David's circumstances. The king of his nation wants him dead. The king of the other nations want him dead. And he's in a cave with 400 men that are distressed, bitter in soul, and in debt, Scripture says. And this is where David pens Psalm 34. And last time, we, we really camped out on Psalm 34, 8, which, which says this. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. David reminds his listener and reminds us of the goodness of our Lord. And it's interesting that David reminds them when he is in these circumstances. He's on the run. His life is at stake. And he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who, takes, who finds refuge in him. And we, we were camping out there, and David also reminds us to fear the Lord and to continuously seek him. Well, today we are going to have to backtrack a little bit because last time we read 8 through 14 and we didn't quite get all the way through there. So we're going to read verses 12 through 22 this morning. And my goal, church family, is to finish Psalm 34. So you guys know how well I usually do with that. We will see how far we get today. So baptisms don't start until 12.15. we got 56 minutes. I'm just messing with you. Please stand and turn to Psalm 34 as we read verses 12 through 22 this morning. The Word of God says this, What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Verse 13, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking 
deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflicted of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Afflicted will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word today, Father, my prayer is that we would be reminded of how good you are today. Father, you are great towards your people. And as David penned this, Lord, may these words sink down into our hearts and minds today. May we know how good you are. Father, I praise you. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. I've got a little opening question for you. Does anybody remember this t-shirt brand on the screen? Uh, we got one hand, two hands, three hands. I, I, I see that hand back there. I see that hand. So this, this t-shirt company was probably really, they kind of really took off, I want to say maybe 20 years ago. It could be longer. I'm not entirely sure. I did not Google this company's history. But they had a slogan here that life is good. And you will often and always see these t-shirts in tourist towns. I remember last summer being down in Petoskey for my grandmother's funeral and walking into a shop and I saw life is good t-shirts. And, and they will usually say like life is good with this town on there. You know, Petoskey, Michigan, Traverse City, they may be up here in Marquette, I have no idea. But this t-shirt company, by the way, they make really soft t-shirts. I will, I will give them that. If you've ever owned one of these t-shirts, extremely soft. But this company, they kind of hit on a slogan that I think everybody wants. Everybody wants a good life. And they kind of marketed this, and people really enjoy the shirts here. But like what I said, people desire to have a good life. People, all people. There is nobody out there in their 20s and 30s who wakes up and says, I just wish I had a really bad life. I don't want a good life. I want a bad life. Right? Like, it's like nobody, nobody even thinks this way in this T-shirt Maybe they were kind of hitting on it, and maybe when you wore that shirt, you felt like, hey, you put it on, you look in the mirror, and you're like, hey, life is good. My life is good. But they kind of hit on it, and there it became really, really popular. But it's interesting because I bring this up because in the middle of Psalm 34, David hits on this similar theme. And the, right in the middle of Psalm 34, in verse 12, David asked this question to his listeners. The question's this. What man is there? This is Psalm 34, 12. He says, what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? I love how the New Living Translation puts it. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? 
And now David's question here is a rhetorical question. Because the answer is yes. We all want to live a long, prosperous, good life. I think everybody wants to make it into their 90s. Nobody wants to die of long suffering. We want to end quickly, but we want to make it to like 90, 95. And we want to have plenty of money. And we want to have a prosperous life. We want to have a good life. So the title of my sermon today is The Good Life. Or, I don't know, it could be something different. Yes, see, I was right. I didn't even, didn't even need the notes. And I, and I want to talk about that today because as you look at Psalm 34, David asked this question right in the middle of it. And I think as we look at the rest of Psalm 34, we get an answer to what a good life actually looks like. And David, the next verses, I think, are very fascinating. So David throws out this rhetorical question in verse 12. And then in verse 13, 14, David becomes instructive with his words. He's not like this throughout, throughout all of the psalm, but David tosses out this question. Who wants to live a long, prosperous life and see many good days? And then he says this. Look at verses 13 and 14. He says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. David, I believe, throws out the answer here to this good life. I think many people think a good life is simply based off of circumstances. If I can have the right circumstances, my life becomes good. And whether that would be with their job or with their family, like, well, you know, and this is why we just see people constantly in their minds, I believe, pursuing different circumstances. Because many people think that circumstances equal a good life. If I'm going to live a good life, it's going to be based off of circumstances. And I need to remind us once again, the circumstances David's in. They're not good circumstances. They're not good by any stretch of the means. David is not living a good life in human circumstances. In a cave, on the run. Leaders want to kill you. The men that are with you, kind of useless at this point in time. But yet, David throws out this rhetorical question. Who wants to live a long, prosperous life? And then he goes right into instructions in verse 13. He says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Don't speak evil. Turn your lips from speaking deceit. I think, as I think about the world we live in, church family, it is rampant. It is all around us, from social media to TV. The evil that's within tongues of this world. And I share that with you because I, I know it's easy to get caught up in the culture of our time. When we live in such a divided culture, in such a divided world, it is easy to speak evil. And it's easy to speak deceit. But for men and women of the Lord, David has this instruction. Don't speak evil. Don't live a life of deceit. 
You know, David doesn't just say these words. You know, sometimes when you're reading God's Word and when you're reading from a specific author, like, say, like David, you can sometimes look at these words and think, well, yeah, you know, this is, you know, it's easy for David to just simply say these words, right? And sure, they might be a little bit instructive, but if you look at David's life, David is a fascinating study as you look at David because David gives this command here. He gives this instruction here. Keep your lips from evil. Don't be speaking deceit in this life. Like I said, David was on the run. David was fleeing from his king at this time. And, and I want to kind of jump back into 1 Samuel because we're going to see David actually live this out. In, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 24, the man who wants to kill him, David has an opportunity to kill him. Actually, a very, very easy opportunity. Uh, David is in a cave, and the king Saul happens to show up to the cave to relieve himself, Scripture says. So David is hiding out in a cave, and look at how this, how this account plays out here. Look at, look at David's response to this man. This is uh, 1 Samuel 24, verses 3 and 4. He says, And he came to the sheepfold, by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. Look at verse 4. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day, David. Here is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good for you. And David rose stealthily, and stealthily cut off the corner of Saul's robe. I find this just to be such a fascinating situation because David knows Saul wants to kill him, and David's men know this too. And there they are, they're hiding in this inner cave. Saul comes in. He's not paying attention. He shows up, I just got to go to the bathroom here real quick, no big deal. And here's David, and his men see Saul come in, and David's men go, hey, David, this is it. This is the opportunity we have been waiting for. And David sneaks up to Saul and cuts off a piece of his cloak. But then look at verse 5. And afterwards, David's heart struck him because he cut off the corner of Saul's robe. It was like instant conviction sets in. And then look at how David, in verses 6 and 7, talks about Saul. He says, So he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, and the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with him these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul, Saul rose and left the cave and went on his way. David... David has this instant moment. This man wants to kill him. This man wants to get rid of him. And David is listening to his men. And David said, well, I'll just go up there and cut off a piece of his robe here. And then instantly David's heart, conviction sets in. And he speaks about Saul with such, like, kind words. Right? Like, I mean, this man wants him dead. And David says, the Lord forbid me that I should do this thing to my Lord, lowercase l. 
David still recognizes that Saul is king. And, and he even calls Saul his, the anointed one. Like, like, yes, he wants me dead. Yes, this is, I, I, I could easily kill him. But David has this respect for Saul still. It's what makes David's character so fascinating and so amazing to watch play out here. Because David knows that his life and, and, and how he lives it out is to honor the Lord. He doesn't speak ill of Saul. He doesn't speak deceit. He still honors them. And then he commands his men, men, don't be speaking evil. Don't be living a life of deceit. Don't be lying. You want to have a good life? Honor the Lord with your mouth, with your words. How do you speak? Think of Proverbs 8, 6 through 8. It says, says this, Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. I believe the challenge for us is for us, if we want to have the good life, it starts with honoring God with our words. And us not to get caught up with all the things that is happening within this culture, all the evil lies and all of the just hatefulness that's, that's online and it's within our news and it's within people's lives. It's like we're just divided and since they disagree with us, we have every right to attack them verbally and, to be, and, and just be slandering them and just be speaking evil. God's word says, turn away from that. Then he gives us another command in verse 14. He says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. See, David recognizes that to live the good life, it's not just about what we say, but it's really about how we live. What are our actions? How do, how do we actually live this out? If we're going to honor the Lord and honor people with our lips, but it's not just saying it, but it's also doing it. And I think, I think that oftentimes men and women come to faith and they, they kind of sell it short in the sense of they think, well, you know, if I come to faith and if I repent of my, my sins and if I turn away from evil, that's the plan God has for me. We forget the second half of this. It's not just about turning away from evil, but it's also about pursuing and doing good in this life. Now that, to me, is the big question, is how do we pursue and do good? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what is the goodness that God asks of his people? If, if, if his word is commanding us, turn away from evil and do good, what is the path of good? And why does God's word always encourage us to continue to be doing good? Look at Galatians 6, 9 through 10. It says this, Let us not grow worry, weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Verse 10, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. 
and especially those who are of the household of faith. The calling of believers is to do good. But our calling is not to the standard of this world around us. Because the world around us, I do find this fascinating. Even non-believers have a sense. I'm living this life. I should probably do good in this life, right? You know, if you go out and just talk to like random people, everybody kind of has a sense like, like say, I should probably live a life of doing good. But they don't really know like what that actually means. So I decided to go to the interweb, which is a fascinating place. If you have not been on there, absolutely fascinating, super cool. They've got all these different answers on there. So I decided to go to the culture, go to Google, and figure out what does this world think doing good is? Because everyone in our culture wants to be doing good. They have this sense of maybe I should be doing and living a good life, and I should probably be doing good to to others. So nine ways to do good in this world according to the interweb. So you guys may like this one. Number one, and this is legit, found a website, how to live a good life, how to do good. Number one, smile. That's step one. If you think about, think about a smiling person, you always realize that they're likely a positive life. However, it also affects the people around you. When someone sees you smiling, they feel happier than when they see you angry, sad, or depressed. In short, smiling is infectious. Number two, be kind. Simply put, you are just you are just kind, and you are there with open arms rather than folded ones. So the goal of life, you want to live a good life, you want to, to do good. Number one, lots of smiling. And number two, to be kind. Number three, be present. I actually kind of liked this one. By being present, you can actually change the world. It also allows you to be more aware of your environment, people, and things all around you. You'll appreciate the heart beating in your chest countless times per minute, pushing the blood through your veins and the lungs that are breathing in the air that keeps you alive, and your, and your kidneys, your liver, and everything else that allows you to live in this world. Number four, contribute. Don't always look for ways that you can hoard or simply collect. Rather, look for ways to give. A simple coat given to a homeless man or a woman in the winter can be a difference between life and death. I find that one interesting because they took that right from the words of Jesus. A hot meal or a pair of pants can change the life of someone beyond measure. Number five, recycle. You guys may not have known this one, but this is part of it. You must recycle. You can change the world and all the things around it by simply saving your plastic, your cans, your cardboard, and actually recycling those things. Be grateful. Number six, when you're grateful, you think and feel and act in different ways. You have more positive outlook on life, and you're far more hopeful. People take notice of this, and it changes them in small but very perceivable ways. Number seven, very close to number five, don't pollute. The next time you think about polluting, think twice, people. (laughs) Don't do it. Instead, think about how you can creatively, positively, and lasting changes in the environment or even in your own personal space. Number eight, you want to be a good person? Think positive. This is solid, solid advice. Positive people can make positive impacts in the world. They can do it in small amounts, and then they can do large amounts as well. 
They never actually know what's going to happen when they think positively, so don't be afraid to do it. And my favorite that is all over the web, good vibes. <laughs> you, want to, you want to do good in this world, give out good vibes to those around you. I really enjoy that one because if you really want to live out a, a good life and do good, you just got to give out good vibes, right? You got a buddy that just, you like, let's say you're out mountain biking and he falls and he breaks his leg. You can stop and you can say, Billy, I'm going to give you a bunch of good vibes right now. I'm sending them your way. I don't even understand what that one even means. I'll be, just be honest with you. Like, what does it mean to give good vibes? Like, do they receive these vibes? Like, say, like, if I give you good vibes and if you're standing here, give you good, and then you like, now you feel good? I don't know. It's very confusing. But guys, that's the world we live in. The world we live in, they think to do good is simply, well, recycle some and don't pollute and have positive thoughts and just walk around smiling. If you're just doing a lot of smiling, that's really going to just change everything around us, and that's really doing good. And of course, if you just keep on giving out good vibes, everything around you will be good. Well, biblically, what does God command us to do? How do we live good? Biblically, doing good is living a life in obedience to his word. Period. If you want to do good, honor him to his word. What does his word say? God, if you tell me to love, I will love. If you tell me to care for others, I will care for others. You tell me to serve, Lord, I will serve. You tell me to forgive, I will forgive. Luke 35 through 36 says this. This is Jesus' command. But love your enemies and do good. And lend, expect nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. I believe, church, for us to live out a good life is for us to just simply live out the obedience to his word. God, do you want me to do this? I'll do that. It's simply and purely honoring him with our lives. We honor him with our words. We honor him with our actions. God, you command me to live this way, I will live this way. And I believe, personally, the good life is not based on circumstances. And I think we really have to get rid of that mindset. A lot of people think that way, that like, I'll finally have a good life when my circumstances simply line up. And I would argue, you, if you want to have a great life, honor the Lord with our words. Honor him with our actions. Live out his word in obedience. And we will see how great life can be. Now, does that mean circumstances could become difficult? Absolutely. Everyone in this room, you can think of times in your life, you may even be in them right now, where the circumstances, not that great. But that doesn't take away from who our God is. It doesn't take away of, of how great he is. And David, in the midst of terrible circumstances, recognizes and he knows to the core of who he is how great the Lord is in his life. Look at how he ends this one. And I want to end Psalm 34 the same way David does here. 
34.15, he says this, The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous, and his ear is towards their cry. David understands that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, that he is attentive to him. That his eyes are towards the righteous ones. And that word righteous just simply means those who are in right relationship with the God of heaven and earth. And his ears are towards their cry. David recognizes that regardless of circumstances, regardless of what takes place, the Lord is attentive to me. He has so much confidence and knowledge of just, God, he is listening to me. He sees me. He, he absolutely hears me. And then look at verse 16, which is a little bit interesting because it says, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from this earth. I know that we don't really like to think about that one much, but there is a contrast here between the righteous and the evil. The righteous, the Lord is attentive to. The evil, is they stand against the Lord. But the righteous ones, those who are in right relationship with the Lord that comes through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that he made on that cross, look at how he pens 17, 18, and 19. When the righteous cry for help, which you can only imagine David's crying for help in his circumstances. The Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near, verse 18, to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. I think, church, for us, to live out a good life. It's, it is honoring him, but I also think it's us being reminded of how great our God is. He's not far from you. Don't let this world confuse you, thinking that God is somehow far off. He is close to his righteous ones, to those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. He is close to them. He hears your cries. He knows when circumstances are not going well. And David has this amazing confidence. The Lord hears and delivers us. The Lord is near us. When we're brokenhearted, when the circumstances are not going well, he's near us. And I think, church, we can take confidence in this. He's not just some distance God. He's close to his people. He desires to walk with you day by day. And we find our confidence in that. We find that that is where we literally live our best life. Circumstances come and go. Yep, we're going to get bad news. It's going to happen. Happens all the time. But our confidence is in how great God is towards us, how close he is to us. When we get on our knees and pray, we know that the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, is literally listening to you. He listens to you. He sees you. He hears you. And for me, church family, that should bring us confidence in this life. Well, you want to live a good life? I'd simply say this. 
honor the Lord in everything that you say and do, but also know how great he is towards you. Know daily that he is close to the brokenhearted. He hears our cries. He's with us. He has not abandoned us. We are his children. We are heirs, is what the New Testament says to him. And it's not because of anything that we've done. It's because of what he has done for us through his son, Jesus. Church family, I'm going to ask for you to stand, and I want to pray for us right now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And Joanne, if you could lead us in just how great our God is in that song. But I'd like to be praying for us right now. And uh, if, we, if we could have the men and women who are getting baptized today also come forward. I'd like to be praying for you guys here too. We've got, did they already sneak out? I'm, I'm calling you forward here. Wayne, if you want to just come forward, I want to pray for you here. And the missus is with the babies. That's okay. Guys, after church today, we're going to go and do some water baptisms. And Wayne here has uh, given his life to the Lord. He has confessed him being his Lord and Savior. And I want to pray for us, but I also want to pray for Wayne today because after church, we're going to head on out there at about 12, 15. And um, you're probably not going to be able to hear me. Probably not going to be able to, you're going to be like, who's getting baptized here? But let me just uh, pray for you here, Wayne. I'm so excited for this day for you. And we're going to pray for Jess Jermu here as well. But let us pray. Father, we come to you, Lord. Father, we... Father, I desire to know you more. Father, help us to be men and women who honor you in all that we do. Father, help us to live out this reality of who you are in our lives, Lord. You are close to us. You walk with us. You talk with us. And Father, today I I want to lift up Wayne and, and Jess to you, Lord, as they are making this step. They are taking a step and they are identifying with your son Jesus. As what Romans 6 says, do you not know that when you've been baptized into Christ, you're being baptized into his death? And Lord, as they are baptized today, Lord, they come and they die with you, but Lord, you raise them up to a new life. Father, I lift them up to you, Lord, and I thank you that we could gather and praise you today. Father, as we sing this last song, may we honor you. May your words sink deep down into our hearts, into our souls. Father, continue to lead us and transform us. We ask this now in Jesus' name.